this week on The Inswinger. It does feel like, since the start of the season, it felt like they are missing something without Xhaka in the team. We know they can score goals. Darwin's really coming into his own. So I think if you're Liverpool, you're, you're on the up. But they just look very lopsided. I think part of that starts at the back with Colwell. Arguably the best midfield in the world, not just because of the goals he's scoring, but because of his all-around game. He's just got the lot. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Inswinger episode four of season three. I'm Charlie DiMatteo, joined alongside Harrison McGlashan. You notice we're not back of the net anymore. We are the Inswinger. We've done a rebrand, new logo, new everything. Yeah. Harrison, tell us a bit behind what's been going on the last week or so. It's well, been a big week. It's, it's been a big week for the Inswinger podcast, newly rebranded. Same old content that you know and love, <laughs> available on all platforms. All platforms, baby. We want to, again, big shout out to WTBU for getting us started, getting <laughs> us out there on SoundCloud. But we thought, you know what, let's really, you know, get oh, our God. foot on the gas here. Let's get on Apple. So we set it up this week. We're available on Apple. We're available on Spotify, all the major platforms. And you can catch us visually on TikTok and YouTube Shorts. That's we got right. sort of 15-second to a minute-long clips on there from each episode. And if you want the full thing, again, tune in on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're really excited about this. So, uh, yeah, new name, new logo. We wanted to respect the current regime that is Back of the Net AFC Bournemouth yep. podcast. <laughs> uh, they've, they've got a nice channel and, and a good thing going over there. So... We changed the name to the Inswinger. Really happy about it, and uh, hope you guys are enjoying the content. Yep, Harrison said a big week off, off, off the mic. Harrison said a big week, mm-hmm. uh, but on the pitch, it was an even bigger week. All right, it was North London Derby week, one of my favorite derbies uh, in the Prem. I think, regardless of how good either team is, there seems to be a great game. What Always did, a good. What game. What did you make of this weekend's North London Derby? I thought it was a great game, once again, an even game, a really even game. I think both teams had their moments. Uh, if you look at the stats, you know, they'll tell you that 13 shots each, six on target for Arsenal, five for Spurs, and four big chances each. So really even, Spurs took the game to them. I thought that was really positive. They played their game, and they played well, and they caused Arsenal a lot of trouble. You look at some individuals, Madison and Son, brilliant again. So they played their game really well and, and got a well-deserved point. Uh, you know, challenging a title contender away from home this early in the season is is very impressive for Spurs. So, you know, they didn't get the three points, but uh, just putting up a fight, I think, was all you could really ask this early in the in the Ange regime. And and I thought they did that, and and I thought it was a well deserved point from them. Yeah, I think the big takeaway from this game is, you know, since Ange Postecoglou has come in charge, he said we're going to play the way I want to play, regardless of who we're playing. And there might be hiccups along the way. And we both pointed out last week, I don't know if it was on or off off, uh, off camera, this was going to be the big test because despite the great start Spurs had made, they really hadn't played anyone of note. Going to the Emirates, playing this Arteta and Arsenal team, to play the way they did again and come away with a well-deserved point in the way they got it, I think was really impressive. And the way they got it was they went down twice, away from home. It's a raucous atmosphere. Heads could have dropped. We saw their performance there last year. It was dreadful under Conte. Instead, you had guys step up. And by guys, I mean Son. I mean, Son has 
when Kane left, it was like, okay, this guy can play striker. He can score goals in the Premier League. He's won a golden boot before. If he produces, Spurs might just be okay. And and Sonny came up with two huge goals. And I think it takes a lot to bounce back after some significant blows, um, you know, somewhat early in the first half and really early in the second half to, you know, stick at it. And they scored right away in that second half to equalize. So I think from a mentality perspective this is huge for them because there was already growing belief in this team but now now that you've seen it happen against like we said one of the, the leagues in Europe's best I think that'll that'll go a long way in the confidence of these players because you can have Ange in the press and in in the dressing room all you like preaching to them that you are good enough and you can play this way but un- until you do it there's always going to be that little bit of doubt so I was really impressed with Spurs and the way they bounced back what did you make of, of Arsenal though they dropped points again is, is this a sign for concern, or it was just one of those games? Darby, you, you take the point. Somewhat concerning. I think they looked like they missed Martinelli mm-hmm. and Trossard as well, especially Martinelli. You know, Jesus playing slightly out of position, thought he had a good game, but I think we would have seen a better attack with him in the middle and Martinelli or Trossard on the left. And Rice going off was a huge blow. Yeah. So injury concerns, yeah. I think, are is the big talking point here with Arsenal, you know. Look who came on. Jorginho made a big mistake for the goal. So Havertz came on again, didn't really do much. So there wasn't an impact off the bench and injuries are clearly hurting them. So it does feel like since the start of the season, it felt like they are missing something without Xhaka in the team. Yep. I think they have Arteta's opted for a different style of midfielder in that position. And I'm just not quite convinced yet. Uh, it might come good, and it might work against some teams, but Pape Sart kept Vieira quiet, and I like Vieira. I've seen him play really well this season. I think he's improved, but, you know, Arteta said it was two points lost, which is fair since they did have the lead twice, but they weren't the better team by a mile, I thought. Maybe maybe towards, you know, the end of the first half they they had a bit more, but, um, you know, you look at the possession, you look at the stats that I read off earlier, it was, it was an even game, and, um, you know, the stats tell you that Disappointing for Arsenal, I think, and concerns injury-wise. Yeah, injury-wise, big concern for Rice because, you know, he came up with that big goal against United. He started well at Arsenal. Um, But if Declan Rice goes down with Thomas Partey, pretty quickly you're saying title chances are are pretty near gone because the one thing about Man City is they have a great ability to rotate their squad because they have so much depth, which has arguably been their biggest asset over the years because they're resistant to these types of injuries for the most part, even though I say that <laughs> their best player might be injured right now in De Bruyne. But, but it's like you don't mm. even realize De Bruyne is gone because of how no. well-oiled they are. And I wonder and I worry for Arsenal if they lose another key piece like Rice and Jack, uh, Partey's already good down and Jack is gone. Jorginho is not the answer. Havertz in the eight is not the answer. All of a sudden, I don't even know who's playing as a six for you, and that that's worrying. You, you, you can kiss the title goodbye if that's the case. Yeah. Um, so that's a worry. As for Chelsea, uh, this was going on at the same time. They played Villa. Uh, we've spoken at length about Chelsea, but somehow they keep getting worse and worse, and more and more questions start to come up. I don't even know where you begin with Chelsea. Uh, what, what did you make of the result and just the continuing just inability to produce? Yeah, I mean, not just the result is concerning for me. I think it was a relatively even game. You know, the red card didn't help, but but there are concerns if you're Chelsea. I mean, look, let's 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 take the positives here initially. They did look dangerous on the break at times and had chances to win the game. 
but they didn't take them, right? And that, and that's that's the big negative, right? They just they can't produce in front of goal. I think also tactically, I'm just a bit confused as as to what's going on here. The team looks very imbalanced. Yep. Is something I notice when you look at the average positions. Jackson is way too deep, right? There's no ten number ten yeah, supporting him. There's no one. You know, uh, right? There's no one. Cuckoo. We talked about this last week. So I'm looking at. I mean, is Cole Palmer Palmer going to be the guy? Right? Didn't start the game. Maybe they're integrating him slowly. But I mean, Chukwemeka's out. I don't, I don't want to hear it really with the injuries with Chelsea yeah. because there's plenty of guys there who should be able to slot in. Right, I mean it, that squad is 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 stacked, stacked with talent. Maybe remains to be seen, right. but it is stacked. And you know Sterling is the furthest guy forward by a mile. Uh, he looks their most dangerous player, but we know he's had finishing trouble in the past, and he's not going to get the amount of chances that he did at City. No. I think he's a really good player. I think he's probably their best attacking he, player, right? Yeah. At least right now. Uh, but they just look very lopsided. And I think part of that starts at the back with Colwell. We know he's a great center back. But he's been playing left back, yeah. and Chilwell's was on the bench, and I, I just don't really get. It. I want to see Chilwell or even Matson mm. at left back. It just would give the team so much more balance, in my opinion. And Mudrick, the poor guy, isn't getting the ball. He actually it's played all going quite down well. Right. Many a lot of people were saying this was his best game for Chelsea, but a red card and got subbed off after an hour. And right. Exactly. So I mean, look, could they use a bit more luck in front of goal and with red cards and injuries? Sure. But I'm just not convinced yet. I think Enzo as a 10, I want to see him deeper alongside Caicedo. I, I think he's a deep-lying playmaker. I don't think he's really much of an advanced midfielder. So it, tactically, I'm a bit confused, to be honest, what's going yeah. on. And, and you know, give Poch time, sure, because what's the point in sacking another manager? And it's early. But overall, from a team perspective, it's it's just not clicking yet. No, it's not clicking for Chelsea. And I, I think... It's almost futile to – I appreciate what – it's important to go into the tactics because that is what we are seeing on the pitch. However, I just can't help but think that there is something larger at play. Um, and it really comes down to the inexperience, and that is down to the recruitment. And the recruitment is down to the ownership and Todd Bowley. And for the first time you know, since he's been on, owner of the club, I have genuine questions as to if – if, if, if he is even capable of making of returning Chelsea to where they were under Abramovich, I don't think he is because what he's done is, you know, he's a, he's a venture capitalist. He looks at all things on a balance sheet, looks the, at them as they are, financial value. And on paper, keyword on paper, acquiring young players who, according to scouts, have loads of potential and loads of sell-on value. So, you know, if you can buy a player young for $30 million, like Cole Palmer or something, and produce a world-class player and sell him for 90, that's three times the money you're making. That's all he's thinking about. But, you know, football isn't played on paper. It's played on grass. And these players haven't played enough professionally to have the experience and know-how how to win games in the Premier League. You could bring in Pochettino. You could bring have Potter or Tuchel. It won't matter. And that's where my, my concern lies. Is like, what are you doing? Like, you are killing this team with the amount of money you're spending and the players you're choosing to spend it on. And it's just, it, it boggles my mind that Todd Bowley has been able to have the power that he has. I mean, I, it's foolish to say that because he is the owner. He can do whatever he wants. But, yeah. like, he's a smart guy. You don't get you don't make billions by not being a smart guy. How he hasn't surrounded himself with the people 
he needs to to make the right decisions is clear that he hasn't. And, and how that's happened, I don't know. How do you let that happen? I don't know. He's got two sporting directors. directors yeah, Egbali and uh, whoever the other guy is. Yeah. And they're all over the shop. And yeah, the Ro- jury's out on everyone at the club, really. Yeah, and Roy Jennings was saying, you know, it could have been prime Mourinho in 2005. He doesn't get this group playing because <laughs> you just can't expect a group of kids to do it in the Premier League, the best league in the world, or even a team like Forrest, who have yeah. a bit of experience, a bit of know-how, a good experienced manager, can go and win at Stamford Bridge with relative ease. Villa, same thing. Emery, great manager. Now it's like Chelsea has the manager in Pochettino, but the players on paper are there, but like they're not going to be able – they're not ready. And when no one's ready, when Sterling and Thiago Silva are like the only, only guys, guys. Yeah. You, that's not going to work. It, no. just, it just won't, and you're seeing that. And Todd Bowley, these next six months, they have an awful run-in. Ooh, yeah. They I've might be it. in They might be in and around the relegation zone around Christmas. If that's the case. <laughs> how could you imagine? I mean, how do you do that? It's, it's harder to do that by spending with the amount of money they spent than not. With the old team. Uh, literally. And they've sold the yeah. players – that had connection to the club in Mount and Loftus Cheek and Abraham a few years ago. Yeah. And it's you can say, oh, it's Cabo, maybe they weren't ready, but by selling your academy players, you're losing you're losing a connection to the club. It's and bit, slowly but surely Chelsea is just disappearing. It's a bit hypocritical, right? Because you're <laughs> you're buying young players. You already had them. Yeah. <laughs> you you have a great academy. You don't need to spend money. You yeah. can just if you want to promote youth, right, you could do it that way. And I also question Who's going to be buying your prospects? Because you're at the top of the spending pyramid. You're wrecking right? their value. Like, you're decreasing. Are it. you just going to, like, yeah. sell all these guys to, like, City and, yeah. like, Madrid? Because those are really the only – who else can, can outspend Chelsea? There's no. really not that many teams. Yeah. And don't you want to have the best players? Don't you want to be the City and Madrid and whoever who can, who can buy the best talent? Sure, creating talent is great. I'm all for that. But, like, are you trying to be – Brighton, like Brighton are great, but but this is Chelsea. Yeah. Like it's just, I yeah. I don't really get it. I I just I don't get it. I like young players. Young players are great. It's a great idea in theory, but I just think there's a ba- I don't there's really a know if you really strike. thought about it that much. No, I, I I really don't think you thought about it for that long, which is a worrying thought given the money spent. Yeah. Um, moving on to the other nine o'clock game, uh, Liverpool picked up their fifth straight win at home uh, against West Ham. Uh, they went went all up on a penalty. West Ham, you know, re- played really well in the opening 15, 20 minutes. Uh, Liverpool hit them on a break. Uh, Salah drew the penalty, scored it. West Ham, a brilliant goal set up by Pakata. Bowen nodded it down. Uh, so foul with another assist. Back-to-back games with an assist. Great stooping header from Bowen. And that was clinical. And West Ham were really in the game at halftime, but I think just ran out of gas. Uh, and Liverpool, this is the first I think I've seen them in a few weeks. Uh, of a full 90, and they looked really aggressive and energetic, and those are all the right traits you want if you're a Jurgen Klopp team. I don't know if you watched the game, but I think I think I think Klopp, I think Klopp and this team are on the right track um, because the way they dealt with West Ham wasn't necessarily through uh, immense quality. Although uh, McAllister had a brilliant assist, it was an unreal finish by Darwin over the top on the volley. Uh, great goal from him, but it was more. I think they just wore West Ham out. Um, so if you're Klopp, it's an encouraging sign because West Ham caused Liverpool trouble, but they subbed on Grabenberch. McAllister had a good game. 
um, and they looked solid in midfield, and that's kind of been the biggest thing because we know they can score goals. Darwin's really coming into his own. Um, so I think if you're Liverpool, you're, you're on the up. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't have much to add there other than what a run they're on. Yeah. I mean, and, and they're dealing with teams all over the table, you know, sort of mid-table, and then they handled Newcastle. They handled, handled uh, Villa. So, yeah, really positive, and with guys still to integrate. You know, I'm excited to see what Gravenberg can do. You know, Klopp seems to be giving him time to sort of settle in off the bench, Gakpo off the bench. I mean, yeah. this is a deep, deep team. attack and, and a deeper, a much deeper midfield, too. We yep. didn't even see Endo no. or Gravenberg start. So Curtis Jones getting minutes. It's a nicely forming squad there at Liverpool, and they're, on, they're, they're in great form right now. Up next, your boys. Uh, on the was it the Saturday afternoon, I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, against who'd you play? Brentford. Brentford. <laughs> Sorry, Brentford away. Brentford uh, away at the G Tech. The chick. It's a tricky fixture. Uh, Brentford have troubled a lot of teams since they've been in the Prem, but but Daishi and the and the big old Blues, you know, handled it pretty well. First win in the season. What did you like? Oh, loved everything. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it, it, it's not only the result that that really pleases me, but I mean. Everton were the better team for me. It was yeah. a really impressive performance. We finally, finally finished our chances. And that's been the story of this season. I, I said before, like, if we can start to put chances away, I think we'll be all right. And we did that on Saturday. Let's not forget Brentford, like you said, are a decent side. And we outplayed them at, at their place. So everyone put in a shift and played well. And that was that was great to see because the week before at Arsenal, it was very, very defensive and very, you know, we were organized, but didn't really have a go, and, and that was what, dis- what was disappointing. But away from home at Brentford, it was the opposite. You know, the midfield looked great. Garner on the right side. He hasn't been great there, but really put in a good shift and put in some great crosses. Um, you know, Gay and Onana looked much more comfortable on the ball, and, and we looked dangerous. You know, 18 shots, six on target, five big chances yeah. created. Like, that's exactly what you want to see. Great to see Calvert-Lewin get a goal. Beto worked hard again, created... His goal will come. I'm, I'm confident with that. Um, and we we actually overperformed our expected goals for, for once. once. Yeah. So uh, finally, hard work and good performances at both ends of the pitch paid off. I thought Tarkovsky and Branthwaite were great. Um, and now we've you know even defensively, you look at our numbers: fourth fewest shots conceded yeah. in the league. So great stuff all around. And, and you know, if we I think if we if we keep this up. Should be mid-table, really. You know, yeah. the numbers tell you that. We're, we're comfortably mid-table on expected points. So it's whether we can stay fit. It's whether we can be clinical for yeah. me. That, that's going to be the deciding factor. Yeah, I think the word you used um, when it seems like there was a lot of panic going around Everton was just a bit of patience because, like you said, the performances were there early in the season. You were unlucky at full, against Fulham, uh, a couple other sides. You felt like you could have gotten more, and I watched the first half of this game and you did get that early goal, and even though Brentford conceded, you, you had to go and win again, and that's you're starting to see the Deich mentality kind of seep through. Uh, and like you said, all of a sudden, if you start to convert chances, the style you play is is conducive to limiting the other team and their chances. Like you said, fourth least, uh, fourth most you know, ter- terms of chances uh, limited. Shots conceded. Shots, yeah. shots conceded. Fourth sorry, fewest, yeah. Um, which is which is great because you know if you can limit. I don't know, Pickford's probably a strength, but if you can limit the amount he's involved in the game, that's a good thing. You can get Beto involved. I agree. I, I like what I've seen with Beto. Well, yeah, the goal hasn't come yet. When I'm looking at a striker, I'm looking at style. And will his style suit the Premier League? I think it does. Mm. He's got pace, but he's also big, and he's also physical. Now, 
Is he going to score 15 goals? No, no one's going to do that in Everton team. Could he score 10 maybe or 8? Yeah, and that, that's that's kind of what we'll you want. That. You take that. Yeah. And another big point, Calvert-Lewin on the score sheet is huge. Yeah. I mean, poor guy is just injured to oblivion, his face, everything. Came off the bench, scored a goal. I mean, it's a, it's a massively encouraging sign because if you get Beto kind of in and out of all of Nit Decore, has been a, a, a valuable mm. goal piece for you guys yeah. under Dyche. And then all of a sudden, if you add Calvert Lewin, that's a bit of experience. You know, if he stays fit, he's going to get you, you know, seven, eight, nine goals. Mm. Um, all of a sudden, that looks a bit better, and you can you can be a bit more comfortable about how the defense looks because that's Dyche's strength. Yeah, exactly. And you know, just to touch on Brentford, had a couple of spells in the game. But, you know, we're second best, as I said. You know, I, I think the momentum was with Everton for the for the majority of the game. Um, but we, we know they'll be fine, I think, Brentford. Yeah. You know, especially oh. Tony coming back midseason. But they, they, they'll, they always get a few results where you're like, ooh, they're really good. But I think they are mid-table. I, I think that's their ceiling, yeah, to be I honest. think they're slightly worse off this year, mostly because of Tony. Because of Tony. And their striker, yeah. Kevin Shada, went down injured in the warm-ups. Yeah. That was a big miss. So all of a sudden you wonder where they can get their goals from because their style is, you know, it's counterattacking. That's what it is. It's, it's direct. It's direct. It's very direct. They it's do not it, bright. They, they do it very well. <laughs> yeah. Um, my issue with Brentford now is are they running out of a little bit of firepower in that? I, I really like Mbomo. I think him and Tony were great. Yeah. Like those Wissa two, as well. As Wissa, like, those two guys. He's been look playing through the middle. Just not the same. And I'm not. I'm not. Over, I don't think Brighton will go. Uh, Brentford will go close to being down because. They had. They're gonna get. I think Tony might go in January. I think that could happen. And Dude, Brentford, Chelsea just Brentford, say, oh, screw God, it. I would. <laughs> Brentford. That's amazing though. I think Chelsea need another player. Oh but they do. Um, for Brentford, they had a couple bids accepted, but players didn't want to go last mm. summer, which is an issue because it's like yeah. well, you have Premier League money. If you sell Tony, you have even more money. Now you nearly to... made Europe last yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting because they are kind of bright and like in their recruitment, not in their play style, but in yeah. their recruitment. And they so have a great coach. Yeah, Frank is a great coach. Although he did go on Monday Night Football and give away his tactics. Yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> kind of cool, though. I liked. insightful. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was very insightful, but um, yeah, a bit odd that a coach would would do that. Yeah, well, I don't know. He likes the well, limelight, yeah. I guess. All right, moving on to the Champions League. First week of the Champions League. Um, the big matchup, I think everyone kind of circled this one, was Bayern uh, hosting United. You know, Harry Kane back against an English team. United all over the shop in the Prem. Bayern kind of cruising in the Bundesliga. Lots of people had, you know, a horror show on the cards for United. Mm. It was kind of, um, but it was a weird game. What were your thoughts on it? Strange game. <laughs> really <laughs> strange game. The scoreline is misleading. Yeah. Bayern were in front the whole game, and deservedly so. You know, 19 shots, 9 on target. United with, with, with 9 shots, 4 on target. Both teams got lucky in a way. Like, Onana should have saved the first goal. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was brilliant play from Musiala for the second, and it seemed like it could have gotten a lot worse for United after 2-0. But, um, you know, United... Did create opportunities, didn't convert in the first half. I thought they did really well to score three in the second. Um, you know, so they hung around, but were never really able to get back in it and, and level with Byron. It was good to see Rashford assisting Hoyland. That yep. was something we questioned. And Hoyland scoring on his debut. So at the really Allianz. positive for him. Yeah. He, lo he looks good. He yeah. lo listen, he's raw. He's going to yeah. take time. But I think the signs are there for, for a good striker to develop eventually. 
So good bits of play from United for their goals, but and also one of the strangest finishes I've seen from Casemiro as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's just on like the floor, really weird. But um, Byron's front four just so dynamic and dangerous, and ultimately le- delivered and won the game for them. So. Yeah, I mean, United, I think they were outplayed. We expected them to be outplayed. They hung around, credit to them, but um, kind of just shows where, where they're at. They're, they're nowhere near that level yet. And, uh, yeah, Bayern, again, their attack really made the difference on the night, I think. Yeah, and I think you brought up a good point there. Man United haven't been close to that upper echelon of the Champions League in over a decade. Um, and, you know, we've spoken about their struggles in the Premier League, but in, in the Champions League... It, it, they're kind of resigned to, oh, well, if, maybe if we get a good draw and, and upset someone in the knockout stages, we can make this run. But it's not like the expectation is to go to Bayern, go to Munich, and, and, and control the game. Like, Bayern dictated the tempo of the game. Yeah. And the midfield, again, Casemiro got a bit run over. He did well to score. He's, he's been scoring a lot recently. He really has. Which is bizarre. Uh, he's kind of just got a knack for it. Yeah. Um, but my concern is with United's approach and their mentality in that I'm I'm fine if you're you know comfortable in going away from home it's 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 Munich it's Bayern if you want to sit back a bit let them have the ball but if it's to an, if it's to such an extent that you could have shipped seven or eight goals and you're probably lucky not to that's where a concern starts to arise for me in that they have to be able to to hang in there a bit better. And I know there's injuries at the back. There's no Varane. There are question marks over Onana now. Uh, a lot of people were desperate for De Gea to go. Onana's come in. Now what? Uh, now that he's making mistakes. But it's a worrying sign for United because, I mean, even the next week in against Burnley, we didn't talk about their win against Burnley. They just squeaked it by. Not a convincing performance at all, but they got the result. They've got some favorable fixtures coming up. But, yeah, it was uh, – it could have it could have got a lot messier – in Munich for for United for sure, and it could have gotten messy at Turf Moor too. Could've. I mean, Burnley hit the posts in yeah. the first half, you know, but the results all that matters at the end of the day. But uh, injuries as well. We said it about um, uh, Arsenal on their yeah. left side. United had even no, more so. United. Even more so in the back line with you, you know the left backs out and uh, yeah, Regulons, you know, um, center backs as well. Center back is really concerning. Right? Yeah, although Johnny Evans played well against Burnley, pinged a beautiful really assist well. and, and what a and finish by Bruno. scored, but uh, it was really it was bad. off. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, same old, same old. Really, they haven't. They just haven't really clicked into gear. Yeah, we'll see if they do again with these fixtures coming up. Uh, next, I want to talk about Madrid, who played Union Berlin for their first time in the Champions League. What a, what a trip for them to go to the Bernabeu oh, yeah. on the first game. Uh, played some good stuff. They made a couple interesting signings. They had Benucci's playing for them at the yeah. back. They got Robin Gosens, who was just at Inter. Yeah. A couple good signings. Making but, moves. I, but I want to talk about Madrid, and I want to talk about Jude Bellingham, because we haven't really spoken about him on this pod yet and what he's done goal-scoring-wise, kind of playing as a false nine for Madrid and replacing the goals of Karim Benzema, which is just wild. Uh, He came up with another late winner. He scored like three late winners all after 85 minutes in the game. Uh, What what have you made of Jude's start to his life, his career at Real Madrid, and what do you think his future holds there? Oh, I mean, brilliant already. What a start. You you can't get much better, really, although they did – Look a bit suspect against Atleti at the weekend mm-hmm. and lost 3-1, which we can talk about. But, um, yeah, I mean, Bellingham, it, it's great to see an English player from a half-English person <laughs> doing <laughs> doing well abroad. I think 
I think it's 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 an old school in a way. You know, we used to see that more Beckham, McManaman, Lineker. You know, Lineker went to Barcelona. Uh, so it's nice to see uh, an English player playing for for the biggest club in the world. Frankly, yeah. I think in terms of Madrid, you know, I, I don't expect them to win it this year. But I, I think they're going to take time to develop. They've got, I mean, you look at the midfield. It's a young team. It, yeah. It's a young team, and they don't have Benzema anymore. They've got Hosselu, Rodrigo, Vinicius is out. So when Vinicius and Rodrigo aren't fit and firing up front, I mean, Bellingham can provide some yeah. goals, but I think that's a lot that's a to lot. ask. Yeah. So I, I think from a team perspective, maybe not their year, but what an exciting group of players they have. And still, Modric and Cruz producing Cruz scored a great goal against Athletic. I'm not sure if you saw that, but um, I did see it. Just a, yeah. a, I mean, this is this is how you build a team, right? Yeah. You've got experienced guys to guide the younger players yeah. through. <clears throat> Take note, Bowley. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you know, so uh, so positive for Madrid. I mean, they they had most of the momentum the whole game, but um, you know, Union held them to one goal. Maybe they can do something. We'll Look see. for the majority of that game. It looked like they were they were holding on. I mean, Madrid yeah. went close a couple times. But I do want to talk about Jude a bit and his kind of potential. And he's already realizing a lot of it. Um, but I think from, a, from his first move, from going you know, to Dortmund from Birmingham at that age, takes a lot of guts and a lot of self-confidence. Like He had the confidence in himself to make that move and move abroad and really make a name for himself as a teenager. And even as a teenager at Dortmund, he was, you know, demanding high standards from his teammates, which can kind of be rubbed the wrong way if, like, you're this young kid who are He's definitely a leader in that team. Definitely. Whether they liked it or not. At 18 <laughs> or 19. And then you yeah. go into Madrid where, the, where all of a sudden everyone's on the same page as him, and the expectation is winning leagues and winning Champions League. And it's just a ma- it's been a match made in heaven. Like, he is just a Galactico. He has that mentality. He has that mentality. He has the ability. He's already arguably the best midfield in the world, not just because of the goals he's scoring, but because of his all-around game. His presence, his movement, his physicality already. I mean, he's just got the lot. And if you're talking about England, I mean, man, if they don't win something with this kid and Rice and Foden and Rashford yeah. and Saka, it's like, I, 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 yeah, you, I mean, they, what a you, team. When, when are you? Pain. If it's not yeah. going to be with these guys. And the Euros is looking tasty for them. Yeah. Um, so really impressed with with Jude, more so Madrid, because I think they had some chances to, uh, to to make that game three or four nil. Uh, but well done to, to Berlin for that. Last fixture I want to talk about is Newcastle. Uh, they started their you know Cinderella Champions League journey uh, in Milan at the San Siro. Jordies were loving the uh, away trip. They were there for a few days prior to the game too. Um, what did you? I don't know if you caught any of this game, but yeah. what what does this point mean for Newcastle? What does it signify? Because we can well, talk about the performance a bit later. The point is positive that they went to the San Siro and got something, right? Let's just take that at, at face yeah. value. When you dig into it a little bit, I think it's underwhelming a little yeah. bit, right? But for their first game, uh, a coach who's never managed in the Champions League, players has he ever managed in Europe? Right, exactly. I mean, players other than maybe Trippier, off the top of my head, who else? Botman, Bruno, Bruno, maybe. Isaac so most most of the team hasn't played in the Champions League. Yeah, it's a start. Yeah, it's a start. Right. I mean, they they got the result. I think when both teams play at their best, Newcastle might be as good, if better, than Milan. Yeah. Probably. I mean, it's hard to compare leagues, right? But I think a lot of people would make that argument. Didn't look like it on the day. No. Definitely didn't look like it on the day. Milan should have won the game. They'll be walking away disappointed for sure. But listen, it was a good result for Newcastle. I think they can certainly do more. I expect them to do yeah. more at home. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who their next game is against, but um, 
yeah, I mean, it was all Milan, right? 25 shots, nine on target, four big chances. I mean, they they really should have put one away. Newcastle with only one shot on target. Did the job at the end of the day, but uh, expect to see more is my, my takeaway there. Yeah, I was underwhelmed by Newcastle. I think Eddie Howe referenced a, a bit of just nerves, you know, playing in this competition. I mean, they started Jacob Murphy, who many thought was like a championship-level player, and I was playing in the Champions yeah. League. which was just kind of another sign of how impressive last year was for Newcastle, you know, before the, the Tenali signing and Barnes and all that. Um, I do think it'll be interesting at St. James's. That's when we'll know if they can get out of this group because – Going away at the San Siro, getting a point is like, all right, that's step one. Going away to Dortmund and getting a point is step two. Beating Dortmund at home, beating Milan at home are the other steps. I don't think you can really hope to get something out of the PSG games. I mean, maybe you can get something at home, maybe a point. But that has to be the route. So if you're lining, if that's the route, okay, we did this. But they were massively lucky to get out with a point. And there was just a gap in quality because – while Newcastle have made some solid signings and on paper and in the Premier League they've done well, it's just a different beast um, when you're like Milan, who were just in the semifinals of this competition. And not even, you know, we a lot, I think, I don't, you know, I don't even know if we picked Milan to go through. I don't, I didn't. I think you did, maybe. Yeah, I think um, I did. I think I had Milan and PSG. But if that's the gap for Milan, I think Milan might be better than Dortmund, but they're not better than PSG. No. So all of a sudden, that PSG fix, those PSG fixtures are looking you know, mighty tricky. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how they adapt because they are early, Newcastle. They were not expected to be here this quick. Yeah, ahead under, of schedule. Under, yeah, ahead of schedule under Saudi ownership. Um, so it's going to be fascinating. I can't wait for the first game at St. James's um, just because the atmosphere is going to be unreal mm. with whichever ultras come. I mean, PSG, yeah. Dortmund, Milan, oh, yeah. those are three that's of the best in the world. For sure. Um, so that's going to be electric. Um, so I think we're going to stop it right there. Uh, that's all we had uh, for this week. Uh, we've got some more Premier League coming up this weekend. I think Champions League resumes the week after, mm. um, so we'll get into that. But Liverpool Spurs this weekend. Oh, it's a good one. one. Another another test for Ange's boys. I think that's probably yeah. at home at Sp- for Spurs. Uh, but in the meantime, make sure to uh, go like and subscribe on TikTok and YouTube. Uh, give us a listen and a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but I've been Charlie and this is Harrison, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah.